This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Now back to 95.7 The Game. We're talking San Francisco 49er football, and we continue the conversation now with Akash Anavarathan, who covers the Niners for Niner Nation. Akash, what's going on this afternoon with you? How are you? Happy Saturday. Doing fantastic. Hope you guys are doing well as well. Doing well, and thank you for joining us. I'm just going to, the text line, the 510 hit us up about 10 seconds ago, and I'm just going to read verbatim and let you go at this. Trey Lance will miss more games next season than Jimmy G missed last season. How about that? How secure should the 49ers be going into the season without a bat? Well, Nate Sudfeld is the backup. Yeah, I think that's the dilemma that most NFL teams go, right? Not not every every team has a good starting quarterback and also a good backup quarterback in the event that the starting quarterback does miss games. It's it's a problem that the 49ers have faced multiple seasons now when when Jimmy Garoppolo, you know, tore his ACL in 2019 and then missed games with the high ankle sprain and the calf injury in 2020. It's just kind of the nature of the sport. You really depend on your quarterback staying healthy for 17 games. And, and if you're fortunate enough through the playoffs. And so with Trey Lance, he's, he's had a history of being healthy in college and, you know, in high school and things. And so he had a couple injuries last year, obviously he had the finger um, during training camp and then he had the ankle after the Cardinals game. So he's had a couple of, you know, nicks and bruises last season, but, I don't think it's anything that will foreshadow injury uh, this upcoming season. So, you know, I think it's it's a situation that most teams face, and you just hope that Trey Lance is able to stay healthy for, you know, the majority of the season. And, um, you know, if Nate Sudfeld had to play a game or two, you're probably okay. But anything more than that, they're probably in trouble. Akash, my head's kind of been buried in the sand covering the Warriors the past couple of months. I know we've... We interact on Twitter a lot, talking Niners, but I haven't gotten a sense. Um, where do you fall on Trey Lance? How do you project him? Are you high on him? Are you lower than the consensus? Are you comfortable with him taking the reins next year on a roster that is ready, built for a championship run? I am, and I think because of the roster, you feel more comfortable. I mean, look at some of the other rookie quarterbacks or I guess second-year quarterbacks now around the NFL and just the situations they're in, whether it's their coaching staff, whether it's the offensive talent around them, um, and just kind of the situations they're in. And Trey Lance is in uh, a a situation that's tailor-made for him to be successful. I mean, I think probably the most questionable part of the offense is probably the interior offensive line. He's probably going to have a new uh, starting center and Jake Brendel. But outside of that, you look at the offensive weapons they have, uh, you know, assuming Debo Samuel is going to be there this season, which I expect him to. Brandon Ayub, George Kittle, Jawan Jennings seems to be coming into his own. And then, and obviously they have uh, a group of running backs that they believe in. Uh, and so, you know, given that and given how good their defense is going to be this season with Demico Ryan's returning, the majority of that um, defensive starting lineup coming back this season as well, they've added some depth. So I expect their roster to be extremely good, and and hopefully that takes a little bit of the pressure off of Trey Lance. And you know, with with the with the year sitting last season behind Jimmy Garoppolo, you hope that Trey Lance's throwing motion, which was uh, somewhat a work in progress last season, has improved. His just understanding of the offense as well uh, has gotten better. And by all accounts, from you know OTAs and just the way his teammates and his coaches speak about him, you you tend to feel confident, but you you never know, right? It's the hardest job in sports, in my opinion, playing quarterback in the NFL. And 
until he steps on the field, he plays, you know, multiple games. It's it's hard to truly project, but I think I'm higher on him than most. I think just given the situation, given the, you know, who he plays for and Kyle Shanahan, I have a hard time seeing him not be successful. Akash Anavarathan is our guest here on 95.7 The Game, and you talked about the throwing motion of Trey Lance. Let's just stay there for a second. What's your level of concern in that little hitch in his giddy-up? Is that is it something that can can prolong him? Can it can stay with with in terms of it being a problematic for for the young quarterback? And or if they eradicate it, does he become too conscious of it? Because you know sports, and especially as a quarterback, things have to be instinctive. How in terms of of it being a problem, what percentage would you put sort of his throwing motion and that that little hitch that he deals with? Where's that at in terms of your your levels of concern with the young quarterback? I'm I'm no you know quarterback mechanics expert, but talking to people <laughs> who have worked with him uh, this off season, you know that's been a big point of emphasis is reducing that extra loopiness that he had in his release last season, um, and you know once the season starts. Kyle Shanahan, the quarterback coaches, and the rest of the offensive coaching staff, they're focused on the week-to-week game plan and how they can prepare the 49ers to win that given week. So they're not necessarily working on Trey Lance's throwing motion Wednesday through Friday at practice, right? They're trying to get the weekly installs in, um, the weekly game plan in. And so it's something that, you know, once the season starts, you don't really get to work on. And so I think this offseason, that's been a big point of emphasis, and maybe that's why We've heard a little bit about the arm fitness or the arm fatigue, right, as Trey Lance is starting to, you know, um, develop a different throwing motion than what he's been used to. And so I think that's something that, you know, we'll monitor, but I don't think it's necessarily a point of concern, especially because he's so young. He's only 22 years old, and I think that's something that they can, you know, wrinkle out. It's something that Josh Allen uh, had to deal with a couple years ago, and obviously he's an outlier. I'm not saying Trey Lance is going to become that, but – there's been instances in the past where, you know, they've been able to tweak throwing motions a little bit to be more compact. And I think I think that's something that, you know, Trey Lance will improve upon this season as he just gets more reps. Akash, this is something that we chatted about earlier in the offseason, and it's been, a, it's been quiet on this front as of late. Uh, but I want to bring it back up. Debo Samuel, we know at one point uh, through my reporting that he wasn't happy with his situation and he was looking – looking to see what else was out there and, you know, leave the 49ers. You know, there's been refuting reports since then. Debo has loved hitting his, doing his little subtle, subtle messages on Instagram, which quite frankly is just trying to, it's annoying to try to even decipher that stuff. I try to stay away from it at this point. Um, where where does he land right now on on a new deal and just, is is he happy here? I, I I know there's just been a lot of speculation. You might not be able to nail it right on the head, but where do you think the organization and Debo Samuel stand right now? Absolutely. We, we chatted about it earlier in the offseason when Debo Samuel's trade request uh, went public. And at that time, it was hard to pinpoint exactly what the reason for his trade request was, right? Was it, did it have to do with a lack of a contract offer or they were just so far apart of money? Did it have to do with living in California? He's from South Carolina on the East Coast. So was it like a family location type situation? Uh, I know Ian Rapport, some of the, the national folks have talked about uh, Debo Samuel's usage, you know, being an issue, right? He was used more as a running back as the season went on. And, and of course, that takes, you know, the type of carries that he had towards the end of the season in the playoffs. That just, you know, those type of hits, if you just continue to take those, they take gears off your career. And so... I'm sure, you know, his representation and himself, they were worried about that type of usage moving forward. And so I still think there's some there's some of that concern that exists out there. I, I don't think it's purely just contractual, though I think money can solve some of these problems. Um, but ultimately, I think what it came down to was, you know, the 49ers, they didn't necessarily explore trade options. I think a couple of teams reached out to them and there wasn't a trade package at the time of the draft that they thought was, you know, uh, worth it for moving on from Debo Samuel, and ultimately he's back under contract. And, you know, the way the CBA works, he can't necessarily, you know, hold out from training camp. He ends up losing in a crude season, and so he would be a restricted free agent at the end of next season, and so it gets kind of complicated there. And so I expect him to show up for training camp here in a couple weeks, and I think 
you know, ultimately the 49ers have done their long-term extensions with Fred Warner and George Kittle kind of in this late July, early August time. And, you know, I think uh, Debo Samuel realizes it's probably the, the best spot for him to thrive, you know, long-term. Um, and so I think they'll end up coming to a contractual agreement here in the next month or so, but uh, it's certainly been a lot more complicated than, than the previous extensions for Kittle or Warner. Akash Anavarathan is our guest here this afternoon. Akash, you know, let's just stay with that for a second because a lot of people try and connect the dots. Now, I'm not saying this is going to happen, but should Jimmy Garoppolo find himself on this roster after August 30th and the Niners are now on the hook for his for his contract and that $25 million hit, you would know this better than I, but one does not necessarily have anything to do with the other in terms of Debo and Bosa's salary. Won't those salaries for the most part, be backloaded and sort of tied in with the new salary cap and, of course, the infusion of all that money when it comes to the new television deal as well as sort of those gambling revenues that will now be taken into account? Yeah, I I don't think that one is necessarily tied to the other, though uh, if they do move on from Jimmy Garoppolo's salary, that $24.2 million uh, base salary, and they regain that cap space, um, if they don't use that cap space this season, which – unless they have some sort of mid-season trade, uh, a la Von Miller type thing that the Rams did last season, um, you know, that cap space will then roll over into the next season. So I'm sure they've planned to dole out some of that money to Debo Sam or Nick Bosa, maybe not necessarily this season in terms of their cap hits, but maybe in a future year. And so, you know, I, I don't expect Jimmy Garoppolo to be on this roster. You know, uh, they've, you know, uh, 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, John Lynch, and some of the other folks nationally have reported that they expect, you know, him to be traded by the end of the month. I don't know if that's going to happen, but I don't think they plan on carrying his $25 million cap hit into the season. And, you know, just because of the fact that it's not guaranteed, they can kind of hold out, you know, keep him during training camp, see if maybe there's an injury to a starting quarterback somewhere else, or see if, you know, there's another situation that opens up, or otherwise I expect him you know, to be released, especially if Trey Lance proves during training camp that he's worthy of being the starter, if he really does show growth from year one to year two, and they feel confident moving forward with him, I, I just don't expect Garoppolo to be on this roster come week one. Hey, we're all throwing darts in the dark, if you will. What do you think is the, the next landing spot for that of Jimmy G? What team, rather? I think there's two that stand out. I think the first one is Seattle, and <laughs> I know a lot of 49ers fans uh, get upset at the thought of you know Jimmy Garoppolo in a Seahawks uniform, but I just can't see Pete Carroll and John Schneider, you know, two guys that have been with Seattle for ten plus years now, to roll into this season after losing Russell Wilson with Drew Locke and Geno Smith. I, I I just can't see that. I think they're both sort of in the you know later stage of their careers where they like to compete, and I think I don't know if they would necessarily trade for Jimmy Garoppolo in his contract, but I think you. He was a free. If he were a free agent, I think they would certainly be interested in signing him. And I think the other landing spot that's been mentioned is Houston. And obviously, the ties with Nick Casario from their New England days is there. And I just, you know, I don't know if they will. They would roll into the season with Davis Mills, who who had a good rookie season. And um, you know, if they were to go into the season with Davis Mills, I think they would be kind of on that rebuilding path. But if they were, if they wanted to accelerate that rebuild, I could definitely see them making a move for Jimmy Garoppolo, especially given the fact that they have some trade capital now from the Deshaun Watson trade. They have the salary cap space, so I can see them making a move. So I would think those are the two most logical spots, especially if Garoppolo is looking to start this season, because otherwise I don't, I don't necessarily see a natural starting spot for him uh, with some other teams. Now, Kosh, Dan and I, we kind of disagree on, on this point. I'm of the belief that, I don't think it would be beneficial for Trey Lance, who you're all in on at this point. You gotta, you want to set him up for success uh, immediately. I don't think it would be in the best interest of Trey Lance to have Jimmy Garoppolo on the roster for you know plenty of obvious reasons. Obviously, it's a lightning rod topic within the fan base. If Trey, you know, comes out in Chicago and struggles week one, and Jimmy's sitting there with a clipboard, you're gonna get people saying, "Put him in." And, you know, it just could put a shadow on, you know, in that quarterback room. 
I think Jimmy Garoppolo obviously is is the utmost professional, so I don't think he would purposely uh, create any chaos in that room. But, you know, I think it gives the opportunity for it to be there. Meanwhile, Dan, he said, hey, they're professionals. If Trey Lance wants to have that job, he's going to have to deal with stuff like that. Where do you fall uh, on that conversation? I, I think Kyle Shanahan kind of thinks along the lines of Dan, right? He thinks, you know, you know, why are you worried about the outside noise, right? We're professionals here to do a job. You know, uh, if Trey Lance truly deserves the job, he'll come out week one in Chicago and, and show that, right? And he shouldn't be looking over his shoulder. Meanwhile, I think I, you know, sort of lean on the other side, and I agree with you in that I think that's just tough given the dynamics, given Jimmy Garoppolo's past with this team and what he's accomplished, right, in 2019, being a part of that Super Bowl run, and then last season, the way they finished that season. And with the way I think the team kind of rallied around him, I just think it's hard having Jimmy Garoppolo on the bench behind Trey Lance and, you know, the rest of the team seeing that and feeling it. And, you know, just like you mentioned, if Trey Lance has a couple bad games and all of a sudden I'm sure the team would start to have that thought in the back of their mind, not just the fans, right, which is, you know, with Jimmy Garoppolo, we've been to the NFC Championship two out of three years. So, you know, it's it's easy to kind of slip back into that mindset, I think. And so with a young quarterback, I think you just have to go push all your chips into the middle of the table and just put, you know, give him the keys to the keys to the car. And I think if Trey Lance is kind of able to show that here in this next month, I think Kyle Shanahan will just feel more confident in turning the team over to Trey Lance. Uh, I think they definitely had that issue last year where Maybe if Trey Lance had a better OTA, better training camp, maybe they would have felt more confident, but he kind of regressed towards the end of the summer, and so they just felt more comfortable going with Jimmy Garoppolo, especially with that roster they had. And I think this year, I think they're starting to feel a little bit more comfortable turning the team over to a 22-year-old. So, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think it's just, it's just easier to make a break here, have Nate Sudfeld as your backup quarterback, and then just, just roll with that. Gosh, you're losing points when you agree with my man here. <laughs> That's my guy. <laughs> Akash Anavarath and our guest covers the Niners for Niner Nation. You know, we can talk about Garoppolo, we can talk about Trey Lance for the next, you know, 10 days, but I always maintain you're as good as your offensive line. Talk about Brendel, Banks, McGlinchey. What, you know, what can we expect out of these guys? And that seems to be, I mean, we'll know once we get uh, bullets flying for real, but that seems to be the Achilles heel. Is that accurate going into the season? I think so. I think if you were to look at their roster in totality, probably that interior offensive line is probably my biggest concern. And part of it is just the unknown, right? They drafted Aaron Banks in the second round last year. Um, I think they, when they made the pick, they had the the intent of playing him at left guard after Lincoln Tomlinson, you know, walked in free agency. I think that was a draft pick where they expected him to redshirt for a season, uh, develop his body, and then kind of move him into that, uh, position that Tomlinson had, and it's, it's something a lot of good teams do where they draft a year early rather than drafting for need. And so, you know, uh, obviously Aaron Banks is really going to benefit from playing next to the best left tackle in the sport in Trent Williams. So I have less concern there. And Aaron Banks, you know, he played at Notre Dame. It's just they're an offensive line factory, it feels like. And, you know, moving to the other side, I think probably the biggest question is Jake Brendel. Um, just what is he going to provide at center? Um, and, you know, just looking kind of at the free agent market, there wasn't necessarily a center that they would have splurged on, I think. Um, you know, there was like Corey Lindsley, who was a free agent last season, who I thought they could have made a move for, who was a little bit younger. I think he's with the Chargers. But they went kind of the veteran route with Alex Mack. And I think they knew the entire offseason. Um, if you follow Alex Mack on social media, you know he was in Europe, in Ireland with his wedding, and it felt like he his football career was coming to an end. So I think they knew for a while that that was how Mac was leaning, and so they felt comfortable rolling with Brendel at center, who who's been on their been on their team as a backup now uh, for a while, and then right guard with Dan Brunskill. And I know Dan Brunskill takes a lot of heat for <laughs> for the NFC Championship game and mm-hmm. you know, the way he played against Aaron Donald, but that's Aaron Donald. And, if you look at how he played in totality, I think he's an above-average right guard, and at least for this season should be serviceable, and they'll have Jalen Moore there. And then Mike McGlinchey, and I think the biggest question there is how he looks coming back from injury. It's, I believe he had a torn quad, which is which is a tough injury to come back from, and he plays a position where you need to be a little bit more athletic and mobile on the outside, especially in uh zone-running scheme, and so that 
again another big question mark. But I guess we'll get we'll start to get a feel for it and how they gel. They were they were a good unit last year, I thought. And um, yeah, it'll be it'll be another point of focus, I think, especially with a young quarterback in uh, Trey Lance behind them. Gosh, we've kind of hit on all the top storylines, you know, of the 49ers organization at this moment. What do you think is an underrated storyline or something that people aren't paying attention to uh, as much as they should as we head into training camp in 10 days? I think in general, and maybe this is just social media, it feels as a whole that the 49ers roster, I feel like, is being underrated. Um, and maybe that's partly because they have a rookie at quarter or a second-year quarterback who hasn't played much. Um, but it feels, you know, this was a team that was in the NFC Championship last last season, and, you know, they were up 17-7 late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter. So, And they were able to bring the majority of that group back, and I think a lot of people were underwhelmed by their free agency, but I thought they addressed specific needs. They went out and got, you know, a starting outside corner in Tarverius Ward. Their special teams unit was uh, pathetic last season, but they, you know, they hired a new special teams coordinator. They went out and targeted specific guys, you know, athletic guys that can play, you know, the kickoff coverage, the punt coverage unit and George Odom and uh, Oren Burks, another player. So I think mm-hmm. those are, they will improve upon areas that they were um, weak in. And so as, as a roster, I think they're, it feels like they're being underrated. Um, and if, you know, Trey Lance is able to hit the ground running, I think this is, it's going to be a team that's going to be feared in the NFC. And I think, a lot of people are putting them sort of uh, a tier below where they belong. I don't think a lot of people are kind of considering them with the Packers or the Rams or the Bucks or even like the Eagles or the Saints. It feels like they're fall- falling a tier below that. and just feels like they're kind of underrated and going into the season with a chip on their shoulder. Akash, I noticed that you did not mention the Cleveland Browns as a potential landing spot for Jimmy Garoppolo where, you know, there seems to be a consensus that that's the place he'll end up should – obviously tied to the potential suspension of one Deshaun Watson. Do you think, did you say that because you don't think Deshaun Watson will be out for the season or that his suspension could be much more minimal? I think that's why I haven't considered the Browns as a viable candidate, just because I think Deshaun Watson is going to get suspended for a lot fewer games than I think the public thinks. I think, you know, I know the NFL leaked that they were looking to get a season long suspension for Deshaun Watson, but you know, the NFL has a new process now where they have the independent arbitrator uh, and Sue Robinson, I think, who, who does the the uh, the ruling on Deshaun Watson's suspension. And I think it's going to be more along the four to six to eight game range. And so I think if it's, you know, say four or six games, I think if you're the Browns, you could probably talk yourself into playing Jacoby Brissett. You know, they've got a talented roster as well. And at that point, it doesn't make sense trading for Jimmy Garoppolo. It is you know, 24 or $25 million cap hit. I'd say the only scenario where the Browns become a viable candidate is if Watson is suspended for the season, but I just don't see that happening, whether, you know, you agree with it or not. So that's why I didn't necessarily list the Browns as a, as a potential landing spot for Jimmy G. Before we let you get out of here, I never put a lot of weight into this, but they lost a lot, a lot of guys, and I'm talking about coaches from McDaniel. Obviously, Bobby Turner's no longer there, Wes Welker. that have any sort of cause and effect, you think, on the wins and losses and the team's overall play next year? I think there will be some sort of effect. I don't know if it'll have like a direct effect on their record, but in terms of coaching staff, you know, for Kyle Shanahan, I think they had a very, you know, uh, cohesive offensive coaching staff there for – a three or four year stretch. And so, you know, you get into your week to week process and you really lean on Mike McDaniel and you can just tell by the way that the guys talk about him, how much uh, McDaniel brought to the game plan. You know, Kyle Shanahan would trust him with basically the run, you know, the running part of the game plan where Shanahan and LaFleur, when he was here would focus on the passing part of the game plan. And that's kind of how they would divvy it up on a week to week basis. And, so now they've lost quite a bit of coaches, but I think that it's also good in a way because now you get a new influx of talent and Shanahan constantly pushes his coaches to think outside the box and bring new ideas to the table. And so now they've added, I think, guys that you know will bring a, a different dimension. And so I think that's also good from that standpoint. Um, but at the end of the day, they've got Kyle Shanahan, who's kind of the you know master behind all of this. So as long as they have him, you know, I think... I think 49ers fans can sleep at night regardless of, you know, if some of the assistant coaches change 
change or not. Akash Anvarathan, thanks so much for your time. Strong as always, and let's catch up soon. Appreciate you, brother. Of course, guys. Thank you. Appreciate there it. Akash Anvarathan. All right, when we continue here on 95.7 The Game, last segment of the show. How do you want to? My man Jason Dumas is going to fill you in on the spots to go to in Las Vegas. What's popping? <laughs> which clubs? Which lounges? I'm too old for that crap, but Jason's here for you. We're back after this on 95.7 The Game. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It is the final half hour of the show with Jason Dumas and Dan Devone. If I was to seriously, if you were a betting man, where do you think Jimmy G's? What uniform is he wearing next year? 49ers. Oh, wow. I didn't see that coming. I don't think it's in the best interest of the organization, but I think that's what's going to play out. And I'm here for the anarchy. What line is that from? I made that up. Right. I ain't get that from nothing. Put it on a t-shirt. Fellow oh, leader of man, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> I like that cut. All right, so uh, I, I tell you what, I think he's, uh, you know, I don't even play that game. I don't know. I think he's going to Cleveland. I really do. I think that the Browns, I don't think, you know, Kosh was talking about that the arbitrator and the judge and that she could rule this thing could be six to eight games. I just think that might be the initial ruling, but there's going to be appeals. And I think you have to keep in mind that Roger Goodell can oversee all of that, which almost makes this entire sort of kangaroo court sort of a mute, moot point. But I think that, you know, he's looking, they wanted an indefinite suspension for Deshaun Watson. And if it was indefinite, which means he'd have to reapply next year. So I think he's gone next year. That's just my personal thinking. By the way, speaking of Deshaun Watson, let's not forget the San Francisco 49ers were in on Deshaun Watson at one point, very much in on Deshaun Watson before, you know, actually this is after they kicked the tires on Tom Brady. And we know that they were in on just about every quarterback that was available, including Sam Darnold. But they, they at one point until, of course, the allegations began to surface, then obviously they were out. And they didn't roll the dice like that at Cleveland. But they were very much in on Deshaun Watson and how different and all of this would have looked if Deshaun Watson was here. Yikes. Yeah, 100%. There's it's a whole lot going on with that situation. Man, a lot. That a whole is, lot going on. Cleveland looking to try and get out from underneath that contract. And, I don't think they can. No, it's guaranteed. It's yeah. just, it is a mess, man. But, yeah, come on, man. I don't have any empathy for the Browns. If you, nah. if you couldn't vet that dude out, if you couldn't do your homework and recognize that that was well, potentially going to happen. Well, I mean, you have to assume that they did and they just didn't care. They they they, they were on phase. They said, look, based on the info we got, based on what we think the NFL is going to do, we are okay with giving him this money. There's no way they didn't vet it out. It just tells me that they vetted it out and they're okay with 
they're okay with it, which is their prerogative. I ain't here judging. It is what it is. What do you got, Sterling? Well, I was going to say, they definitely knew. They gave him yeah. $45 million guaranteed for just this year and said, if you're suspended, uh, we, we don't have to pay you $10 million. They knew. They knew exactly what they were well, doing. Well, I thought he'd on the hook for one mil this year. That's But if he gets suspended, it's like nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's like they knew what was going to happen. Yeah, no, you're right. You're right. Yeah. So it's just a, it's a bad. But the thing is, is that he could get suspended for this year, but there's what there's four women that don't want to settle, which means that this could go on with depositions and more things coming out and whether there's more revealing facts of what took place from a PR standpoint, man, you just do not want this thing hanging around your organization for PR purposes and for multiple purposes as far as as far as being a football team. So, I mean, this is the thing that that's that's the catch to me is that this is not over. Even if he's suspended, even if he's gone for six to eight games or a year, when you have those four those four women that are like, all right, I want this to go to you know, I want this to go to trial. I want to take this a step further, which just means there's going to be more revelations about what happened. And the more we discuss Deshaun Watson and it's about things that are not taking place on a football field. That's the nightmare that the Cleveland Browns are going to have to deal with for the next, I don't know, foreseeable future. So I want to switch to Las Vegas. So seriously, believe it or not, so I'm walking, as I always do, talking to my two boys. That's Sterling and Chris, the producer. And I said, hey, what do you think we just uh, we hit Jason up about Vegas and what's popping in, in, in Sin City these days? And they're like, yeah, do whatever it is you do. And I'm like, well, no, give me some feedback. Well, I haven't been. I'm like, come on. Neither one of those guys have been to Las Vegas. Now, you have to keep in account that Sterling's 14 years old. So. But <laughs> oh, Sterling, Don't let him come at you like that, bro. But they've never been to Las Vegas. What's the closest you've come, Sterling? Have you ever had, like, did plans get canceled? Did you ever have an inkling? Like, yeah, let's do this, man. Let's get out to Vegas. So the only time I've ever really stepped foot in a casino when I was like 12 years old, we went to Reno to see my aunt, and they would not let me in the casino. They were like, get off the floor, too you're young. too young. And I was like, I'm just five, you know, I'm like, what's going on? And like the cops came, and they're like, you can't be in here. But So that's like the only time I've ever been in your game. Oh, so this has scarred you for life. That's why I, he's hesitant. I have trauma, yes. <laughs> I have go. trauma from 12 years old. So Jason, if you were to take Sterling to Las Vegas, you were to take anybody to Vegas right now, well, where where are we going? If the, if the young man wants to meet somebody or just wants to have a good time and you're the guy, what's up in Vegas these days? Well, I'll, first and foremost, I'll be honest, I'm not like a veteran to the Vegas Strip. That was actually the first time I was on the Strip in years. Oh my ye- God, in another years. rookie. What's going in years. on here? No, no, in years. Not So like... <clears throat> But I had fun. I was at Aria. That's where I stayed. And am I the only dude who's gotten sideways and woken up and had no idea where they were in Las Vegas? Am I the only guy that's got those stories? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like it. Go sounds ahead. like it. No, I've had I've had my fun in Vegas. Trust me. It's just it had been a while uh, since I'd been there and, and experienced the strip part of Vegas. Um, I was in Aria. It was great. There was a couple clubs in Aria, just you know, littered with NBA stars. I know the Warriors stayed there too. Aria's uh, relatively new. Last five years, I want to yeah, say. Yeah, it was nice though. Yeah. It was it was really nice. Um, I saw everyone in there uh, who really matters. It was it was cool. Um, you know, one of the nights I was there working. Keep in mind, so I wasn't getting too crazy. I it was I was there on business. But, you know, I enjoyed myself. I, I had some nice cocktails. I, I I stayed out, you know, me and my colleagues, you know, we had some fun. But Vegas is like, you can go anywhere and have fun. I, a couple of days, I, I told you, I thrive in the heat. So one day I walked about three and a half miles. In that, in that what was it, like 108, 110? 111. 111. Oh. I, I, I had got a great workout in that morning in the hotel gym and I was still in my workout clothes and wanted to get some steps in and I just wanted to people watch. So I walked three miles down the strip, about a mile and a half each way. And dude, it's just like sometimes you just Vegas does not even seem like a real place. Sometimes it's like 1030 in the morning. People walking around with those tall drink, the slushies oh. getting drunk. Uh, Day drinking is like one of my favorite activities, so I ain't judging, but it's just so funny sometimes just people watching in that place, and it's just like, wow, this is a real place. I I admire the people who work in Las Vegas and can remain 
productive. One of my good friends, a couple of my good friends work out there, one in TV and one is a writer for The Athletic. And they're both so talented. They kill it. And every time I'm there, I'm like, how the hell do you guys stay focused? Like, there's just things pulling you in every direction out in Las Vegas. So I admire the guys who can be out there and be productive. It's kind of like when I visited uh, my friend who went to the University of Miami and it's like, dude, how do you work? How, how do you get work done? Syracuse is easy. It's it's 12 degrees and there's 20 inches of snow on the ground. Plus it's Syracuse. Yeah, you know, it's, it's easy. You can get your work done. Every time it's a nice day in Syracuse, no one goes to class. But it happens like four times a year. Yeah, I think that the the locals will tell you that nobody lives on the strip or nobody right. hangs on the strip. They're right? in Henderson They're or in Henderson, this place. Yeah. They don't they they stay away. It's just like you know when people come to San Francisco, they ask me about San Francisco and they find out you're from San Francisco. They're like, "What's Alcatraz Island like?" <laughs> Dude, I don't never, know. Never been there. No. I mean, I'm not from there. I've been to Alcatraz like three times. <laughs> yeah, I've never been, man. I've I've been on Bart twice. How's that? Wow. See, I you know. That sounds like you're not a man of the people. You what? You looking up? You looking down at the Bart people? No, I'm not, I'm not looking down on the on the Bart people. I just don't. I just don't go over that way. I don't. I don't have any reason to go to the East Bay. Gotcha. Yes, I will look down on you though if, if I feel that you. <laughs> no, but I think that uh, as you talk about Las Vegas and, and access to athletes, as you were talking about earlier, I think that that's that's one of the perks of, of getting out to, to Las Vegas and, and getting an opportunity to see some of the players. What's up? Hey, can you tell me, Chris and or Sterling, uh, the Warriors got another game, right? Is that, are they playing today? As a matter of fact, they're going to tell you what their next contest is against. I don't believe they have any chance of winning, winning the title as it is and getting that ring, but we'll sort of set things up and tell you who they're going to take on next. By the way, do we have any word as to why Chet Holmgren did not face off against James Weissman? Just rest. They do, they, they do that. I mean, Chet has played in probably like six six summer league games at this point. I know they played. Warner season's over. They played in Utah, uh, and he played every game in Vegas. I had one of his games, uh, OKC versus uh, Sacramento. I, I had that game. And, um, you know, he looked, he looked good. I They do you that. Look, in you're in league. on him, huh? Yeah, I think it's right. good. And, you know, it probably wasn't even his choice. And,. You know, we had uh we had um who was it? Uh Jason Kidd on the broadcast. Was it Jason Kidd? Who's the the rookie who just tore his ACL? It wasn't Jason Kidd. It was um in the NBA? Yeah. Torn ACL? Willie Green. Oh. Willie Green, the Pelicans. Pelicans rookie. Someone came in. Say it again. E.J. Liddell? Liddell. Okay. Liddell tore his ACL while his head coach was on our broadcast watching. You see stuff like that. Oh, so he's with Dallas? No, no, no. He's with he's with New Orleans Pelicans. Willie Green. Oh, oh, oh. Willie Green. Oh, Willie Green, yeah. not Jason I, I, Kidd. I said gotcha. Jason Kidd at gotcha. first. I'm sorry. Willie Green was on our broadcast when Liddell tore his ACL. So when you see stuff like that, you you know you're like okay yeah they rested Chet he's played he's played like six games in like nine days give him some rest I I you know I don't I don't judge too hard for that. By the way, you mentioned Willie Green. How about that as a potential landing spot for Kevin Durant? They have the relationship going back to the days with yeah. the Golden State Warriors and Willie Green and KD. By all the reports, were were pretty tight. Got to move Zion right? No Zion, you keep Durant's got. I'm sorry, Ingram. Ingram's going. Um, Man, I don't know if they have enough pieces. Yeah, I, I don't know. Josh Hart. <laughs> I don't know what their uh, what their draft capital looks like. I'd have to look because it sounds like that the Nets want a king ransoms of draft picks. They look at what how many draft picks Rudy Gobert commanded, and they're like, okay, we need at least three more of them. And apparently, Donovan, the Knicks. The Knicks asked for, or the Jazz asked the Knicks apparently for like six first round picks. So, you know, well, that's what you know. Who started? You know, who screwed it up for everybody, including KD. It's Minnesota, man. Yeah, they just gave up way too much for Rudy Gobert, but that's Danny Ainge. Mm -hmm. He will do you like that. Yeah, he really will. Danny Ainge knows how to build a team from. He's made some mistakes, but look what he did to Brooklyn. Brooklyn, I mean. Brooklyn, you guys have sucked as a franchise for the last nearly decade. It was Danny Ainge that somehow convinced you that, yeah, why don't you take KG, why don't you take Kevin Garnett, 
as well as Paul Pierce off our hands. They still got some stuff left in the tank when clearly they're on the downside of the mountain. Here's Brooklyn saying, oh, okay, what do you want? Well, why don't you give us some draft picks? Thank you very much. What do those draft picks turn into? Well, one Jason Tatum and then Jalen Brown, who just, oh, by the way, happened to be the foundation of the team. And here they are again, now screwed by that of KD. By the way, when it comes to KD, I just have an issue with the guy asking to be dealt after signing an extension, being less than a week into your extension and saying, no, I want to get out of town. I understand it. If you got a couple of years, maybe the last year, maybe we can negotiate, but you got four years and you haven't done one of those years. And plus, we've been over backwards and done just about everything for you, including you getting you Nash, getting you DeAndre Jordan, your buddy. You know, we went out and got James Harden. We've we've given you pretty much control of this thing. I just think it's it's bad for business. And I'm all about player empowerment, but there's got to be a limit, man. There just has to be. And it's not about, we always polarize it, well, it's the player versus the owners. And I don't really give a rip about either one, because both of you guys, the billionaires versus the millionaires, you'll be all right. But it's the fan, at the end of the day, who takes it in the shorts. Just think about it. If you're in Brooklyn, and you find out that Kevin Durant's decided to come back for four years, and you got a kid who's like, hey, man, let's get season tickets. Ah, I don't know. I don't know. I know you like the Nets. You like me taking to the games. Well, Dad, how about if Kevin Durant comes back to the team? All right, and Kevin Durant, the news comes out. Kevin Durant, re-ups for four years. All right, son, let's go get those season tickets. In fact, let's get them for the next two years. The commitment people make to that team as fans, and then players just like the hell of it. I'm out of here. Eh, I'm not. That's the cost of doing business. You know, no one. it is what it is. Obviously, it's not ideal, and I'm not like a fan of of little kids who buy KD jersey and then KD, you know, it's unfortunate, but there's no way to avoid that. You know, I, uh, I think Kevin Durant, I'm not mad at the fact that he wants to be traded. I just think a player of his stature, I don't want to see him just become a team hopper. I think guys who are that good should try to stay with, don't play for any more than like two, three teams. This will be his fourth team if he goes to another one. It's just, you know, you know, you like to see the, the the Jordans, the Kobe's, the LeBrons, the Steph Curry's. Those guys, Kevin Durant, those guys are like different. They're in like a different stratosphere of the best of the best. You you would like to see them remain with one or two organizations. I get a situation might sour and you want, but this is going to be Katie's fourth team. And it's like, do you even know? It's probably not even going to be the team he retires on. So when it's all said and done, KD's probably played for five, six teams. He's too good for that. But that's who he is, and that's why you don't invest in him. That's who he is as a person, and that's who he's always been. Jason, going back to high school, that dude went to three different high schools. Yeah. And then he gets up and he goes out to Texas. Why the hell are you going to Texas? Dude, he's a wanderer, man. Yeah, That's who he is, and he continues to be that guy. This, he's, not, he's shown us his hand his whole, his whole life. Like, he gets up and out of a high school after a sophomore year. I mean, and now he's doing it again. I, another reason why I'm all out on, on KD. And I, I do have an issue. Listen, I got no problem if a player is in the last year, two years of your deal. But, man, if you just re-up for four years, we get you the coach, we get you the players, it's all the – the other thing is, all right, we'll let you go. Can you just at least tell us why? <laughs> is, do you think it's all about Kyrie at the end of the day? I have no idea. I I'm done even trying to figure out why he does what he does or how he is. It is what it is. Uh, it's crazy. Like I covered him for a year and it doesn't even, it wasn't, it wasn't even enjoyable. Where'd you do that? Oh, here. Yeah. 2019. Yeah. That season sucked to cover that team. Why is that? There's so much negative energy yeah, around right? the team. Even, you, even though they were the best team in the NBA that year and, you know, they were in the midst of their, what was that? Their fifth straight finals at that point. Yep. Yeah. In the midst of their fifth straight NBA finals, it was, uh, you knew Kevin Durant was leaving. Anyone who didn't know that just is blind. Just by his interactions, his body language, he was over it. And so it just created this awkwardness the entire year. He was so irritable. I never wanted to ask him anything because I didn't feel like him snapping at me. Not that he ever did that, but I just didn't want to put myself in that position. I just let him be. He was just irritable. It was a awkward energy around the team all year. They didn't even look like they were enjoying things. Uh, and it just wasn't even really a fun team to cover, even though we went to the NBA. I say we. 
I say we because I covered a team. So like speaking even though French, I, man, speaking that French, we oui, we. Oui. Even though I went to an NBA Finals covering them, it was still super like just wasn't that enjoyable. That's interesting insight. It was that's fascinating. I think that that's what a lot of people don't get to see is that we watch a guy ball, we see him do his thing, but it's behind the scenes. It's the culture. It's the environment that's as important to anything else that the Golden State Warriors do. Really quick, the text line saying every time Dan tells a story, he mentions where it took place. I added to be the least of places that I can't afford to go to. Yes, he looks down on us. Nah, man, I'm just pretending I'm a baller. Come on, man. I love all you guys. <laughs> on the text line, I'm totally in for player empowerment, but there has to be some line in the sand similar to like the three batter minimum. I wouldn't be surprised if they don't put a minimum years served prior to being able to to be moved. I am for player empowerment too. I think people should choose where they play. Um, I don't know. It, it, it is what it is. I don't think it's made the league worse because that some of these guys are leaving. I think the league is still enticing and entertaining and exciting. And if players want to move, you know, like these teams are going to move on from them at the drop of a hat if they don't like the return in their investment. So, I don't think you can complain about guys wanting to leave. And I just look at my situation. I'm a contractual employee, and I would be really annoyed if I wanted to get to another situation and they told me I couldn't. You know, that's that's how I feel. So how can I look at that for a basketball player? That's just me personally. I get the logic behind behind how people feel the opposite way. I just, that's the way I feel. Let's close the show with one of our favorites out to the phone lines. Robin from San Francisco. Robin the floor is yours. Welcome back. How are you this afternoon? Hi, sweetheart. I'm glad you guys took my car. And please, I'm going to shut up so you can answer. I want to answer. So the guy that's talking, hey, Jason, I want to know this. You said the 29th season was just, you know, the vibe around it. Let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. How much, aside from Kevin Durant being immature, you know, all his, all his character flaws, all his character flaws, just set personality aside, okay, how much of outside forces, the media, and I'm not one to blame the media, but played a part in that vibe, because let me tell you something, from the time he joined the Warriors, basketball was never the same for me. I have never, and I've been watching basketball a long time, I have never, ever seen a team or a player or players get picked on and judged and diminished as much as I did for the Warriors for having a superstar come join them. It got to the point where I couldn't stand watching basketball because of all these people who always had something to say. I'd like for you to answer me because I think it wasn't just all Kevin Durant. I think outside people really also played a part in that season not being enjoyable, and for Warrior fans right now, being on the defense about him being here or about always protecting Curry, which I think is a sucker move. I hope that, uh, which I think they are suckers for playing into that. Bye, you guys. I love you both. Thank you. Uh, all right. I'll answer that a couple ways. That was kind of a lot to unfold there. One, I wouldn't say Kevin Durant has a lot of character flaws. I mean, he's a good dude. He just is different. Uh, I do think he's a little sensitive, and I think he hides. I think he he plays this role where he likes to engage with people on Twitter uh, to kind of play off the fact that he is a little sensitive. And, you know, he got caught with that burner account, and he makes light of it and joking about it now. But that, in my eyes, that was really embarrassing. Um, <laughs> you know, you're going back and forth. It's embarrassing. A guy of your stature, come on, man. Um, and I don't think, I think you're looking at, at it from a warrior standpoint. I think. There was legitimacy to the fact that people criticized him for coming to Golden State. Of course, Golden State fans aren't going to say that because they're fans of the team. But looking at it from fans of other teams and just basketball fans in general, going to the team that just eliminated you, that you just blew the 3-1 lead uh, against a team that just won 73 games, I don't think that was a great look. I will never get off that position of thinking. I don't. I think... A person of that ilk, of Kevin Durant's ilk and skill level, you don't join that team. You go to a team to try to beat them. That's how I am wired. That's how most competitors are wired. I don't think that was a great look. But that was years ago. I'm past it. I mean, I did. when I say I have a problem with it, I just kind of say that tongue-in-cheek. I thought, 
I thought that was a I didn't think that was the best move for him. Uh, I don't think he should have done that. I think he developed a reputation after that. I mean, he I don't think if he went to Golden State, I don't think he would have created a burner account and uh, had the need to defend himself. He clearly was self-conscious about that move after it. Uh, but it is what it is. So I don't question people questioning him for going there at all because I was one of them. Now, moving forward uh, in terms of the media and look, the guy the guy had a year left on his deal and it was obvious that he wasn't comfortable re-signing or giving a longer term commitment. So it's the media's job to ask questions about that. They're doing their job. Was there ever overkill at one point? Maybe uh, I can't speak for everyone, but I think a lot of the storylines and questions were fair. Hey, KD, what are you going to do this off season? Like, but I mean, it was pretty obvious by a month or two into that season that he wasn't coming back. If people didn't see that, they were just ignoring the cues because they wanted to see him come back. But, you know, it it made for an awkward season. I think everyone within that organization would agree with me when I say that. Jace, love you. Strong as always. That'll do it for us. I'll be back tomorrow afternoon. Until then, for my man Jason, for Sterling, for Chris, this is Dan Devone. See you back here on 95.7 The Game. Hope you enjoyed it. Goodbye, everybody. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. 